Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. We got a great episode for you today. Excited to get into this, whether this is your first time listening, first time tuning in, or you've been listening to uh, almost a 250 episodes that we've done. We are here on uh, episode 247. And uh, either way, really do uh, appreciate you being here. Before we get into today's episode, if you have not already applied for our elite training program, this is a individual one-on-one and group training program that we offer where we help speakers just like yourself understand exactly how to find and book gigs. So if you're serious about finding and booking speaking gigs, then you definitely want to check out our elite program. You can do that by applying by going to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash apply. There you can schedule a one-on-one strategy session with our team to learn more about the program. We can learn more about what you're looking for and how we can help you and support you. So make sure that you check that out again by going over to thespeakerlab.com com slash apply. So today we're going to be having a, a co-host and that, in fact, not just for this week, but the next couple of weeks with our friend and fellow coach within the Speaker Lab programs, Mr. Eric Ream. Now, Eric is a very successful speaker. He also went through our Booked and Paid to Speak program a few years ago, actually recently quit his job, has gone all in on speaking and has just been killing it. So we're excited to have uh, Eric here joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking all about how to sell yourself as a speaker. Now, this is something that a lot of speakers have a difficult time with. Like We like the, the speaking side, but the, the selling side side becomes very, very difficult. So we've got uh, several different tips and strategies that we're going to be talking through about how to prioritize this, how to develop the even just the mindset, taking ownership of what you should be thinking about. We're going to be talking about how to better organize your marketing assets, things that you want to have in place in terms of your CRM, your checklist, different ways to experiment in terms of figuring out what's working, what doesn't work. So lots to get into, lots to go through. So uh, let's get right into this uh, conversation with Eric Green. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, joined by my buddy, Mr. Eric Ream, who is a uh, Speaker Lab coach and helps uh, work with a lot of our students and very successful speaker in his own right. So, Eric, thanks for hanging out with us today, brother. Uh, man, it's awesome to hang with you, Grant. Thanks, man. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. So uh, today we're going to be talking about how to sell yourself as a speaker, the different elements that go into being a successful speaker. And so once you give us kind of like a, a high level view, when we're talking about selling yourself as a speaker, what are the common challenges that the speakers are running into? Or what, what's the, uh, the gist of what we're going to be going over today? It was funny, Grant, because we kind of polled the private Facebook group and we asked them, you know, what kind of things do you want to hear on the podcast? We gave them some options. And this by far was the most popular one because I think this transcends any business that you're in is you have a dream, you want to accomplish something. As a speaker, you have a message, you think you can do this. 
but bridging what you think you want to do and actually doing it is a, could be a big mountain for some people to climb. And so just, I think one of the biggest challenges is where do I begin? Who do I talk to? How do I approach it? You know, when, if I actually do get a human being, someone with a heartbeat that wants to listen to me, what do I say to them? And so I think sometimes just demystifying that a little bit for speakers, just entrepreneurs is something that is a big challenge for folks. So hopefully we'll be able to help some, some of the listeners today with that. Yeah, it seems like there's a there's a big difference between like I remember reading in the book The E Myth that Michael Gerber, the author, was talking about the difference between uh, he uses the analogy of a bakery and he talks about the difference between being a good baker and running a bakery. And those are two different skill sets, right? And so I think oftentimes there's a lot of people who are like, hey, I enjoy speaking and I enjoy uh, being on stage in front of an audience and sharing a story or telling a joke or whatever it may be. I like that part of the art side of it. And we oftentimes fail to remember the other side of it, the business side of it. Uh, Just because you're a speaker and just because you're even a good speaker doesn't necessarily mean that anybody cares or anybody's going to hire you or book you. So one of the the other sides of of the equation is that you have to understand the business part of it. You have to understand how to sell yourself as a speaker. So although speakers may or may not realize that, why do you think it is that that selling yourself can be such a challenge for so many speakers? Because I think sometimes it's hard to clarify in your head really what your message is and then take that in a way that present it to someone that makes sense, that they can wrap their hands around and make it tangible for them. And so just coming up with, you know, really what it is, what is my message and then translate in a way that someone's willing to hire you, number one, and put you on their stage and put their credibility on the line. So just drilling that down. I think probably the hardest thing, and you've actually had to tell me this a few times, and this, I think this is probably something I learned for you from you and it's probably one of your biggest quotes, and that is don't overthink it. And so I think that's our problem. And yeah. all walks of building a speaking business is that we overthink it. Right. So we've got six different elements that we're going to be walking through here and just kind of the methodology of how to sell yourself as a speaker, different things that you need to be thinking through and considering and things that are ultimately going to make a difference in helping you to sell yourself as a speaker and ultimately to uh, to get booked and uh, share your message with the world. So let's walk through these six. I'm going to let you kick off with the uh, the first one. What do you got? Okay. So we call them the different elements. So this is element number one, and I think it starts with a mindset. And so I believe, and you, you tell me if you agree with this or not, but I think selling doesn't come natural to people. I mean, that's not a natural thing. I think a lot of times people feel like, well, who am I to actually ask someone to pay me to do something that I love to do, or am I good enough to do this? And so the first thing you have to get out of the way is you got to get in the right mindset. Number one is you got to believe in your message. You got to believe in it so much so that it makes sense that people want to hear it. That's number one. Do you believe in yourself? And if you don't believe in yourself, then if I'm trying to hire you, that's going to come out really quickly. That conviction. So conviction sells a lot of times. You know, if I want to come and sell you something and I'm convicted about it, sometimes that conviction itself is going to be very clear. But if you don't have that mindset that, yes, people want to hear this message and you're never going to get off from, you know, step one. The second thing is you have to get past being afraid to ask people to pay for your message. And we get this a lot. We say this a lot on the Facebook page. We're like, oh, somebody actually said they're willing to hire me. I don't know what to charge them. You know what? I don't know either. Half the time we have a calculator and we kind of give you an idea, but you're just going to have to get out there and say, Hey, you know what? I think I want to charge you this and be convicted about it. And then if they push back, that's okay. That's part of it. By the way, one of the things I think it's key is the more people push back, and this is a good selling point, 
and the more questions they ask, that's actually a positive buying sign. Some people mm -hmm. see that as a negative. But when I start asking you a lot of critical questions and really pushing back, how'd you come up with that number and this and that, that's actually a very positive signal. And so you should expect that in the selling process. So element number one, Grant, I think is to have the right mindset from day one. It seems like part of the challenge with selling yourself as a speaker is and where the mindset piece can become a, a hangup for a lot of speakers is it's difficult to separate ourselves from the service that we offer, right? Mm -hmm. Because we feel like when we're having to talk up the deliverable, we're having to talk up the service and hype it up or whatever it may be, that we are the product. So if they are choosing to reject, you know, we're not interested or it's not really what we're looking for. It's not that they're just like, hey, I have this object, this widget, this gizmo or gadget or this thing that I'm trying to sell. If they don't like it, ah, well, it doesn't have any emotions or feelings. But if they don't, if they're not interested in me as a speaker, like I am the product. And so do you think that that, that plays into it that oh, yeah. um, there's just that like natural human element of like fear of rejection. And so I am scared to put myself out there because what if they don't like not the product or the service, but they don't like me is what it feels yeah. like. Well, who likes to be rejected? I mean, no one. Right, Nobody. right. And if you do, then you're kind of weird, right? In fact, you and I were talking before we got on the call today. I was rejected twice this morning already. Right. And I mean, that was like two blows of the stomach and two things that I was hoping I got rejected on. And I've been doing this now for a couple of years now, and I'm used to rejection, but more used to it. But every time I hear it, it's still a little bit of blow to the ego. So I think part of it is, is that in order to put yourself out there, you have to be willing to be rejected. And the bottom line is rejection is part of the game. Right. And so if you don't have that mindset in place that, hey, my, my message is worth it and I'm worth it and I'm willing to pay for it and then be willing to say, hey, you're going to have to go through a couple no's to get some through some yeses. If you don't have that mindset, it's going to be tough for you. And you're always going to figure out ways. By the way, speakers are really classic at this. We figure out ways to do everything but get on the phone and actually talk to someone about hiring me. Right, let, me right. let me tinker with my website. Let me tinker with my message. Let me tinker with this. And oh, by the way, I just spent three hours building my speaking business. No, you didn't until you got on the phone and talked to somebody. That's when you're building your speaking business because we try to avoid actually going out and selling ourselves. And hopefully some of these elements we'll talk about will help you with that and get you closer to booking your gig by getting you on the phone with people. And so it's hard enough to get on the phone with someone in hopes that they're not going to reject you, the speaker. But the other part of it that's difficult on the phone is, is quoting a fee because it's the going rate for speakers in the speaking industry just across the board is generally going to be thousands of dollars, which even for someone who's just getting started, it's not unheard of. It's not uncommon at all for that kind of benchmark baseline to be around $1,000, which for most people, when you, you first hear that, you're like, well, maybe, you know, if I'm a celebrity or maybe if I'm a best-selling author or if I'm, you know, have some big name, then maybe they would pay me $1,000. And I remember thinking the same thing, and I'm sure you did too, that what the going rate is for speakers feels just astronomical and it feels completely ludicrous. Like why would someone pay that much money? I remember like the, the very first gig I did, they paid me a thousand dollars to go speak for like 30 or 45 minutes. And it just blew my mind. Like I, I just feel like I'm ripping these people off. This is, this is crazy. But that was the going rate for speakers. And, you know, going from there to thousands of dollars and several thousand dollars, you know, and, and there are pl the plenty of speakers to make far more than either of us have ever charged. And it's not necessarily that they're a bad person or anything like that, or good or bad, but that's just kind of what the going rate is. And that's the value that they bring to the table. So mm -hmm. even at the beginning, whenever you first quoted, you know, a thousand or several thousand dollars, how long did it take you to get comfortable with that to the point where you're like, 
yeah, like people are willing to pay this and I know the value that I bring to the table. Do you feel like that that mental roadblock or that mental hurdle ever completely goes away? Oh yeah, it does for sure. I think after that first gig I did for a thousand dollars and I realized, wait, I think I, I can do this and I don't think that's that big of a deal. In fact, do you still think a thousand dollars is a lot or does that seem low to you now? It seems really low, but there was a time, and I think some of it is just the, uh, I think how your your mindset evolves over time of what is possible, you know? So it's kind of like, um, I'll give you a quick example. So several years ago, I ran my very first half marathon mm-hmm. and had never done a half marathon before. And it just seems like this astronomical goal that's just impossible. There's no, I'm not some elite athlete by any stretch. And so the idea of running a half marathon just seems stupid, right? But then I did it. I was like, okay, like then there's like that mental shift of like, oh dang, I can do this. So fast forward to a couple of years ago, I had done a few other half marathons before. And so you, the mental strength builds up again and again and again each time knowing like it's hard, but I can do this, right? To the point that I think this was two years ago, or three three years ago, some uh, two buddies of mine and I had run the Nashville half marathon here and we'd all trained for it. We'd all ran it together and it, and it, went, it went great. It's a fun experience that the three of us had. So then fast forward to the next year, this was two years ago, that both of them, like a week before the half marathon, were like, you should come do this with us. And I hadn't been running. I hadn't trained at all. And I was like, that sounds stupid. I don't want to do it. I haven't trained at all. And they were both like, yeah, we haven't really trained either. You should come do it with us. I was like, okay, sure. What the heck? So I signed up for this half marathon. Do you remember this? Did I tell you this? I, I think um, I remember you telling me a long time ago about that. Yeah. So end up doing the half marathon with both of these guys on zero training. And it was, uh, it was not a pleasant physical experience by any means. Like I remember I was in a lot of pain the next couple of days. Spoiler alert, you were hurting. <laughs> it, I was definitely hurting. But the thing that made me feel like go from like, no way, this is impossible. I could never do this. to like, oh yeah, sure. I could do this. Like it's not going to be pretty at all. And I'm not going to set any record pace. It was just the fact that I had done it before. And so it had nothing to do with the physical challenge as much as the mental roadblock that like, no, 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 I I can actually do this. And so I think that's the same type of thing that you're talking about when the first time you quote a a speaking fee, it just seems outrageous, any dollar amount. It just seems completely ridiculous in part because like we genuinely enjoy what it is that we do. And so the fact that someone would pay us for it makes it even more crazy. So the first time you quote it, it seems crazy, but each time you do it, you build that confidence and you build that mental strength that like, no, no, like I can do this. And I provide, I provide significant value to any organization that I'm working with. So I think it definitely, it absolutely becomes easier over time to quote those fees and just build that mental strength that, you know, what I'm bringing to the table is, is certainly valuable and worth it. Awesome. So that's, I totally agree with you. So that first element is you got to have the right mindset. So what's the second element, Grant? So second element that really makes a difference in terms of selling yourself as a speaker is going to have a, is developing a consistent work habit, a consistent work habit. And so this is so much more than again, going back to the Michael Gerber E-Myth book. This is so much more than just, I'm really good at baking bread or I'm really good at practicing my talk over and over and over again, right? There is the, the business side of I have to consistently sell myself. And the reality is, is that speaking is hard work. And so the part that most of us enjoy, the part that most of us like is the part where you're on stage. And the truth is you're on stage for a very small percentage of your quote unquote speaking career. A lot of the speaking career is very non-glamorous. It's very non-sexy. It is a lot of travel. It's a lot of hotels. It's a lot of 
practicing your talk over and over and over again. It's a lot of reaching out to clients. It's a lot of following up with clients. It's a lot of the business side of booking travel and invoices and logistics and all those things that go into the things that you have to do that has nothing to do with you actually being on stage, but those are things that you have to do in order to get on stage. So just developing that consistent work habit makes a huge, huge difference. And so being consistent at it in the same way that, you know, you and I enjoy biking. And so we're never going to be some, you know, elite biker. We're never going to be racing in the, the Tour de France or anything like that. But we both know, even though we're not going to be at that level, that if we're going to improve, if we're going to get better, if we're going to stay healthy and in shape, then we have to be disciplined about it. We have to do it on a daily basis. Like we, we were both talking beforehand. We both have Peloton bikes that we like riding and, and talking smack to each other. And so we both rode our bikes this morning and it, was, you know, it wasn't pretty, but we did it, right? And so the same thing is true with the speaking businesses. You may not have hours and hours and hours a day that you can dedicate to, I'm working on my talk or I'm, work, I'm, I'm tweaking my website or whatever it may be, but I'm going to take some small block of time and on a daily basis, I'm committed to making progress on this. I'm committed to, to being diligent with this. And so I just, I have that consistent work habit. So for you, how much of a difference do you feel like that, that having that not only work habit, but just the consistent work habit has made a difference in your career? Well, I think there's a difference between a work habit and a consistent work habit. And I would tell you that I would, I, you know, I, I talk to students all the time. I would much rather you consistently do 30 minutes a day, yeah. five hours on one day every two weeks. Right, right. Because that, that to me is not equal. And so that, it, it, because it, 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 there's momentum that comes with the speaking part of it and there's being in touch and following up. And then also it's kind of like lifting weights too, right? Like totally. if I, if I lift weights every single day, then I start, I start to adapt to get stronger. But if I only lift weights every once, every three weeks, then I want to destroy myself. I want to be sore. So there's a muscle to selling. There's a muscle to prospecting. There's an edge to it. And just doing it on a regular basis, it becomes a consistent part of what you do. Like for instance, when I first did the Peloton, I don't know about you, but I was sweating. I'm like, my gosh, this is tough. But right. it got easier for me and I had to challenge myself. Right. So if I'm consistently doing something on a regular basis, I build that muscle, then I can raise it to the next level. So even if all you can do was consistently sit down and you tell me what you think about this, but if you could just consistently down, sit down for 15 minutes and do one or two things that's going to move the needle on a prospecting side, that's, that's a start. And then maybe after a few weeks, then you can do 20 minutes and then maybe 30 minutes and then maybe 45 minutes. Next thing you know, you're spending an hour a day prospecting. That's going to be a huge thing in your business. But it all starts with that small habit, that small consistent habit that you're willing to do. And I think the main thing is most of us bite off more than we can chew. Sure. Have you ever done that before where you said, well, I'm going to train for this and I'm going to work in that first week, you just destroy yourself, but it's not right. duplicatable. So you have to do whatever you do. It's got to be something that's duplicatable in whatever phase of life you're in. So if you've got triplets under the age of three years old, right, and you're a single parent, then maybe you need to put that in your life based on where your life is right then and there. And don't compare yourself to a person who's single with no kids that's building a business and you want to be like them. It doesn't work that way. Make it work for you. However you make it work, it's just got to be consistent. Yeah. And the other thing I would, I would say is, and I think, uh, I know we both hear this from, from speakers who say, I'm just too busy or I have too much going on or, or what, or I'll get to this speaking thing someday. And the reality is, is like, we're all busy and we all have a lot going on. Right. But we all still have a lot of time on any given week, right? Now, certainly some weeks may be busier than others and you may have a job that requires a lot of time and maybe you commute back and forth to work and, and yada, yada, yada. But you can absolutely find 
you know, like you said, 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day. And yeah. if you're, if you're just like, no, I can't, you don't understand how busy I am. Like, okay, let's, let's stop and think about how much time you're spending watching Netflix or how much time you are farting around on Facebook or on your phone or playing a game or whatever it may be. And I think the truth is like, we're, we're all guilty of that. Like you and I are both busy, but if we both took a step back and thought about like, where are, how much time are we spending on these random things that provide zero value to our, our life? And they're just kind of maybe a, a mental outlet or whatever. And if we took that time and invested into our business or into our health or into some other significant part of our life, the results that we would get from that would far outweigh the, the, how we're wasting our time in other ways. So the consistent work habit and not just like wasting time makes a, makes a huge, huge difference for sure. Yeah. And I would say too, I think part of the problem, Grant, is I'm okay with wasting time. I mean, you need to have that margin. Like sure. I was telling you, I like to play my sons and uh, my sons are 13 years old. They're in the video game phase. And so I'll smack talk them and I'll slam them in 2K NBA and I'll, I'll, I'll carve out an hour and play with them at night. Right. But let's say then I'm done doing that and I got 15 minutes or 20 minutes to work on my business. I think the problem is most people don't know what to do with that 15 minutes. And that's why they procrastinate. It's much easier to say, well, I'll clean up the house a little bit because they're, they're afraid that when they finally sit down and spend 20 minutes, well, what do I even do? Which yeah. I think leads to the third element. And the third element is prioritize. So if you have that consistent work habit, and let's say you commit, you're going to spend 30 minutes a day. Well, what are you going to do in that 30 minutes a day? Yeah. So let's piggyback on that a little bit. And if it doesn't really help to be consistent if you're consistently doing the wrong things. True. So you got to do the right things on a consistent basis in order to pay off. So what I do is I have a thing called the priority of work. And actually, this is something I learned in the U.S. Army when I was a, in the, as a military police officer, is when you're out and you're on a mission you, and you go into a new area of operation or whatever you're doing, there's always a priority of work. And everybody knew what that was. And you did this before you do that. And you do that before you do that. There's A before B. You don't go to D until you get C done. Well, it's the same thing with speaking. And so if you're sitting down and let's say one day you have 20 minutes and the next day you have 45 minutes, then here are some things I suggest. I want to get your thoughts on this, but here's some things I suggest. The number one thing you do is check your email. Now, this is a double-edged sword. You right. don't get lost in email. You check email just to look for the key things. Did I hear back from an event planner? Did I hear back from somebody who needs to get some dates set up to set up a phone call? It's not to, hey, let me uh, read this thing about the latest uh, Mac book that's coming out. Let me read the articles on that. And that's not what I'm talking about. Check the emails to see if you got any contact for somebody that's going to move the needle in your business that's going to allow you to get in front of an event planner. And that's number one. The piggyback on that, a lot of that is also predicated on you actually doing work that allows someone to send an email back to you, right? right? Like the mistake right. that some speakers make is like, okay, I got my website or I got my video or not, and now I just sit back and I wait for someone to email. And sure, you're going to, the more you speak, the more you speak, and you're going to have some inbound leads over time. But a lot of it is also you being proactive right. and reaching out. And so that's what you're looking for is not just today, right. I'm going to click my heels together. And I hope that someone emailed me and magically found me. But it's oftentimes I reached out to several people and I'm checking to see if I've heard back from any of them. Okay. That wasn't one of the modules in BP Yes, is how to click your heels together. Wasn't that a bonus module? Uh, Wishing and hoping <laughs> is not a good strategy. <laughs> well, so that, that's kind of the point is that you want to go through a, a hierarchy of priorities. So let's say you go to your email and you got nothing because you still got other work to do. Then you go to the second one and that is send out a contract if that's ready for you to do. So what I'm asking myself is I go to email and I look and see if there's any email. Then I ask myself, are there any contracts I need to send out? If there's nothing I need to send out, then I go to the next one is do I need to send out a proposal? Is it time for me to send out a proposal? Let's say that there's none. 
Then I go to my next priority work, which is schedule a phone call with an event planner. If I have a contact with someone that said, yes, I do know an event planner. His name is John Smith. Here's his email. Feel free to use my name. Then I, I'll send that email out to try to set that phone call. But if I have no event planners to schedule a phone call, then I go to my next priority, which is reach out to a contact. You see what I'm doing? I'm going through a process. And it may be such a thing as I go through it real quick. Oh, I don't got number one. I don't got number two. I don't got number three. But I'm at number five, I can reach out to a contact. And what that may look like is, hey, Grant, I know that you're a a professional plumber. Uh, Are there any associations out there that you go to? Any events that you go to? Oh, yeah, I go to the the American Plumber Association thing every year in Nashville. Oh, great. You know anybody there you can can reach out to? He goes, oh, yeah, I know uh, somebody sits on the committee. Let me get his information. That's what I'm talking about. You're just getting in there and trying to find a contact that's going to get you somewhere. If I don't have that, then what I do is I process any business cards I have. So I go to my business cards, which by the way, the audience can't see, but I have probably over my, to my left about 75 business cards that I need to process. So when I'm out, out and about and I meet somebody, if there's any indication that there may be a connection there, I ask them, do you have a business card? And if they do, I get their business card, I write down their information and I take it back with me. And I ask myself, are there any business cards or process? And what I mean by process, I take it, I plug it into my CRM, I plug in the message that we, the, the note about how we met, and then I send them initial email. If I have no business cards or process, then I go to number seven. And that is, I go to the web and I search for events and organizations that I'd like to work with and I start to research. But that's the last thing for me. So number one, I check my email. Number two, I send out a contract if I have a contract to send out. Number three, I send out a proposal if I've got one. If I don't have any of those things, I go to number four, which is schedule a phone call with an event planner. If I don't have that, then I reach out to a contact. If I don't have a contact to reach out to, I process a business card that will become a contact that I want to reach out to. And if I have none of that and I've got 15 minutes, the last thing I'll do is I'll go to the web and I'll start searching events and see which events I'd probably like to speak to or talk to in the future. What are your thoughts on that? But the point is you have a plan, right? Right. And so like you said, I've got that 15 minute window or the 30 minute window or whatever it is. And so it kind of reminded me, it's like bad advice to go to the grocery store without a list or whenever you're hungry, right? Because you just, you're just, you walk in the store and you're just like, I just know I need a bunch of crap, but I don't know what I need. And you just start buying random stuff. Yeah. That doesn't sound appealing to any normal human and that you would never buy under normal circumstances if you weren't hungry, but you go in there and you just start buying random things uh, because it just caught you at the moment. And so same idea of having a plan whenever you sit down at the computer makes you much more efficient and effective in terms of making progress in your your business. In the same way that like, you know, let's go back to the Peloton example of you and I hopping on the bike. When we hop on the bike, like we have an intention of, okay, I'm going to do this ride for for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever it may be. And here's the ride that I'm going to do. And here's the plan. And here's kind of the mindset that I'm taking into this versus I'm just going to sit down here and just pedal and hopefully I get a good workout in. Like that just doesn't work. So being really, really clear of even if it is just 15 minutes and you and I have done, you know, those 15, 20 minute rides, even if it is just going to be a shorter ride, that's okay as long as you're clear on, on why you're doing it and what the goal is of that. So, all right. So number three is prioritize. Let's keep moving on. Number four is to have your marketing assets in place. Have your marketing assets in place. So once you get someone interested in hiring you, they want to know that you're legit. And so one of the best ways that you can do this is that you have three key things that all speakers need. So the first one is going to be a website. So website is basically going to be your home base that event planners can go to to ultimately see what it is that you're all about. And so in this day and age, if you don't have a website, you don't exist. 
it is very difficult for people to take you seriously if you don't have a website. So you definitely need a website. The second thing is that you need a demo video, a demo video. So people are like, what is a demo video? Maybe you've heard it called a, a sizzle reel or a highlight reel of some type, but basically think of it like, think of it like a movie trailer. What is a movie trailer? If you take a, a 90 minute movie, they'll boil it down to two or three minutes. And within those two or three minutes, you have a good idea of what the movie's about, what the plot is, what the theme is, who's in it, all of that stuff based solely on that trailer. And it's the same idea for a demo video is you want to give someone enough that they're like, yeah, this is perfect. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Or like, hey, that trailer was beautiful. That's just not what I'm looking for. That's not what we need for our event. Every person that whenever you, you watch a movie, like this past weekend at the time of this recording, our family and I, we went to see uh, the new Toy Story movie, and uh, which was phenomenal, by the way. Uh, if you haven't gotten to see it, anybody, you need to go see it. But you're watching all the, the previews and the trailers ahead of time, and you immediately become a movie critic of like, oh, yeah, we totally got to go see that. Or, eh, that, that, was, that looked interesting, but like, that's just not for us. And so that's exactly what you're trying to do with a demo video. So you need to have a demo video in place. And then the third piece is that you need to have a, a formal proposal template. And so when an event planner asks for more information or they need to meet with their committee and they're just gathering some information from you and three other speakers, you want to have something professional that you can send them. So uh, I'm curious, especially Eric, on this last one, this, this proposal template, what do you typically include in that uh, and why, and I guess how have you found that to be having something like that to be important for you? Well, I think the main thing, Grant, is you need a natural bridge or mechanism that's going to trigger you to have to follow up with the event planner. Right. So if you and I are an event, if you're an event planner, I get on the phone with you and I talk about, you know, what I can provide you. It's natural for me to say, because you're, you, to just say the next action item for me is to say, I'll, I'll say, I'll send you a formal proposal grant. Does that work out for you? Because you and I talk and, and you say, well, I like your nonverbal thing. I think that's pretty cool. I said, well, let me send you a proposal on that that uh, will give you the details and I'll follow up with you in a week and see what your thoughts are. So it gives me that natural reason to follow up. That's number one. Yeah. And what I put on there is I put in my contact information, a nice picture of me. I paid a lot of money on to make myself look really good. And so I put a nice little picture of me on there because I don't know if they're going to just pass, pass around to a committee and they need to right. you know, see a face with the name. So that I put what it's an abstract. I call it an abstract, which is like two or three sentences of this is what the talk's about. Then I put bullet points of the learning objectives. Like here are the five things your, your audience is going to learn. Then what I do is I usually put a testimonial, somebody that actually gave me a testimonial that says, hey, Eric's the best. He's awesome. He's fantastic. He exceeds expectations, that kind of thing. And then I usually put references. I find that people may not always follow up with your references, but the fact that you do that, I think it's a separator between you and other speakers that may not do that and th throw it out there that, hey, I'm going to put my reputation on the line. If you want to contact any of these folks, go ahead and contact them. And right. so I put references on there. By the way, I make sure that they're okay with me doing that. So don't ever do that without getting permission. And then finally, I put the cost. Now, we've already talked about the cost, usually on the phone, mm -hmm. but then I also put that in there just to make it formal that, hey, it's $5,000 plus travel expenses or whatever. So that's what I put on. Anything that you do differently? So I think some of this depends on the industry and the market that you're in. Uh, I think some of that stuff can be put into an email or it could be like you mentioned, like a formal template that you're, you're using. I think the big thing though, is regardless of what the, the format is that you choose to use, the, the main thing that you mentioned is having a reason to follow up and then actually following up. And so some of that also leads into our, our next element, element number five, which is what? 
Be organized. So if being a speaker is a goal, you, ha- you might also have to, have to remember that it's, you're also running a business, right? So the only way to survive is to be organized. So sales is the most critical part of your business, but it's not the only thing in your business. You're going to have to do everything like taxes, admin work, finances, cash flow, maybe even legal, travel, logistics. In the beginning, like you and I, when we first started out, Grant, you didn't have this beautiful speaker lab team. It was just you, right? You had to build that over time. So in the beginning, you have to do a lot of these things. So you have to be really organized. And so I think there's really four things that I would think you should consider when it comes to being organized. The first is having a customer relationship management tool, a place to park all that information so you don't have to think about it. Here's the thing. If you're only spending 30 minutes a day, that means you got all these other hours in the day. You're doing everything else. You got a spouse, you got kids, you got you know, all these other activities. And then when you actually sit down to spend 15 or 20 minutes, you need an application that you can go to that you could just pick up and start running. Right. And yeah. so that's what a good CRM does. We can do a whole separate talk on that. The main thing is remember you need to have a customer relationship management tool. And we probably have some resources we can point them to on that. Sure. Um, the next thing is you need to have checklists. What I find is if you find yourself recreating the wheel every single time you're using too much brain power. And so I have a checklist for everything. I just gave you a checklist with the element number three, which is prioritize. I gave you seven things that you check off. I have that for everything. I have a pre-interview. I have a checklist. I have a post-interview after the event. I have a checklist. I have a checklist to pack my bags. I have a checklist in the morning when I do my morning routines. I have a checklist when I get to the hotel. That way I don't have to think about anything. So being organized and having checklists are important. Now here's the key. You got to make the checklist, I think, Grant, work for you, right? So a lot of times people ask me, well, can you send me your checklist? I don't want to do that because that's how my mind thinks. You need to do a checklist based on how your mind thinks. So bottom line, have a checklist. Here's the other thing. Put sales activities on your calendar. So you have to actually calendar. Make an appointment with yourself to set up those times. If it's every Monday at 8 a.m. and Tuesday at lunch and on Wednesday at 3 o'clock, put that 30-minute time block that I want to prospect. I want to work on my sales part of my business during this time. And then finally, have metrics in place to track your performance. So you need to know how well you're doing because you're going to be tweaking things and you want to know if it's working or not. So if you're not tracking something, like for instance, I know right now that my I used to be a 41% success rate. This year, my success rate to win a gig is 27%. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask myself, why is those, are those numbers going down? What am I doing differently? Is there a market shift? And you can't make any adjustments unless you have metrics in place. So that's, what I, that's element number five. Cool. For sake of time, let's keep cruising on. Let's go ahead and give you the last one and then we'll wrap up here. Element number six is to experiment and figure out ultimately what works for you. And so this kind of reminds me, I may have shared this before, uh, a few years ago, I was talking with a a friend of mine who does a lot in real estate investing. And this was something I was kind of intrigued by and I was interested in. And I, I remember we were at a conference together. I remember asking him, I was like, all right, dude, tell me this. I'm interested in real estate investing, brand new, don't know anything. I just know there's all these different options, right? You have single family homes or you have duplexes or apartments or uh, short-term Airbnb or storage units or parking lots or commercial facilities. You have all these different options. Which one is best? And I remember him basically saying like, yes, like they all work. Like you can find someone in any one of those who's making it work, right? And so the same thing is true whenever it comes to how do you sell yourself as a speaker? We could go through a a huge list of should I do cold email outreach? Should I do SEO? Should I do more content marketing with a a blog or a podcast or YouTube channel? Should I I run a PPC? Should I run Facebook ads or Google ads? Should I go speak at certain conferences? Should I try to get in with a bureau? And the answer is like, 
yes, like you can find a speaker that makes all of those things work for them in one way or, or another. So figuring out which one works best for you sometimes does come down to experimenting and does come down to just uh, let's try this and see if this works and try that and see if it works. And it kind of reminds me of, I know Google does this and the company that makes post-it notes, is that 3M? Yeah, 3M, yeah. And so they both do something with their, uh, I don't know if this is for their entire company or just certain departments, but they have like this 20% rule. Are you familiar with this? Where Mm -hmm. basically 80% of the time, they want you working on their stuff. And then 20% Mm -hmm. of your time, they're like, you're working on whatever you want and whatever you want within the, I guess, within the scope of the business. And so someone at 3M was playing around with the idea of post-it notes. And that's how it came out was that 20% of just experimenting. Here's the 80% I know that we do that works, but 20% we're just going to tinker with. If I remember right, there's a couple of key, and I'm, I may butcher it. I want to say Gmail came out of that. Like a couple of really key feature premium things that, that Google does today came from that 20% of just allowing yourself the room to experiment. So even like with what we do within the speaker lab, there's 80% of stuff that we, we just know works. We're really confident it works. But there's also stuff where like, we're just going to throw this against the wall and see what sticks. And there's times where you're like, that was awesome. That was great. Let's keep doing that. And they're going to bump that to the 80% side. And times where you're just like, that blew up. That was a horrible, huge disaster. But it was an experiment. And you, you don't know unless you try. Yeah. And so be willing to experiment, be willing to try some of these different things to figure out what makes sense and what works for you. Uh, are there anything that, that comes to mind in your own business, Eric, that, that you've experimented? I'm going to try this and either it's worked or it hasn't worked? Yeah, half the talks that I've done. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. I told you this before that I, I would like to send a, a, uh, an apology note to a lot of event planners and say, <laughs> I apologize for my talks. I'm so sorry. Uh, forgive me. If you want to hire me again, I guarantee it I'm 90% better than I am. But the fact <laughs> that I was willing to get on the stage try it out and bomb was made all the difference. Honestly, I think that's what separates the professional from the non-professional is professionals are willing to fail like baseball players, right? We award baseball players for failing 70% of the time. I mean, if you have a 300 batting average, that means you strike out seven times out of 10. That's the difference between a professional. If you're willing to strike out and learn from that, then you're going to be great. But if you're trying to perfect it and trying to figure it all out before you get started, you're never going to get off the starting line. So if let's, let's recap these six here. So we have, first one we talked about was just your mindset to believe in yourself, value that, that you bring to the table. Uh, also getting comfortable with asking others to pay for your service. The second thing we talked about was just being consistent, developing that, that daily habit, being consistent, that the right things that you're doing the right things to continue to move the business forward. The third thing is to prioritize, have a priority of work whenever you sit down to sell yourself to the world so that you're not just dinging around, you're not wasting time. The fourth thing we talked about was having marketing assets. So your demo video, your website, your proposal template, and the system to follow up. The fifth uh, element that we talked about was being organized. So having your systems in place that allow you to focus on what's important. Uh, We talked about having a CRM, having checklists, book sale activities on your calendar and developing metrics to track your progress. And then the final one we talked about was experimenting. And so trying things, being flexible to adjust as you get your feedback, as you get data back, as as you take on more coaching, it just sheds light on what is working and what's not. So is that pretty much covered? Yeah, I think the only thing I would would add there 
Grant, is this, whatever you do, take ownership. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to own this. And think that's actually something you and I've been talking about as I have a bigger role here in Speaker Lab, is you just say, what do you want to take ownership on, right? right? And once you take ownership of something, that's when I think the magic starts to happen. You got to just say, hey, I'm going to own this. I want to make it my own. I want to make it work for me and you'll be fine. So I would just say, use this as a guide, what we talked about. You take the stuff that relates to you, leave the stuff that doesn't. But at the end of the day, it's got to work for you or it's not going to work at all. Absolutely. Well, uh, Eric, thanks for the time, man. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We're going to be coming back in the following weeks here with some more uh, co-hosted episodes like this. We're going to be talking about you know, leveraging your network to get speaking gigs. What else are we covering? A day in a life, how to organize your day. Hello, that's going to be fantastic. Awesome. So we got a lot of good stuff coming to you and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Eric Ream talking all about uh, how to sell yourself as a speaker. Like I mentioned before, if you are interested in, in hearing more about how we can work together and help you build and grow your speaking business, whether you're brand new, just getting started, you don't know what you don't know, or you are someone that's been at this for a little while and you're trying to figure out how you can continue to scale up your business and uh, increase your income and your impact, then we would love to have a conversation with you. So you can go over to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com com slash apply. There you can book a one-on-one strategy call with our team where we can learn more about what you're looking for and how we can serve you and support you through our various training programs. All right. So again, check that out over at thespeakerlab.com slash apply. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.